Episode 81. I want to leave a legacy. This is the One Extraordinary Marriage Podcast, home of the Seven Days of Sex Challenge. Featuring your hosts, the authors of the groundbreaking new book, Stripped Down, Tony and Elisa DiLorenzo. Welcome back to One Extraordinary Marriage, where we talk about life, love, and the pursuit of intimacy. You're here with Elisa DiLorenzo. And Tony DiLorenzo. What's that little grin for? Just smiling because we're podcasting. It's one of my favorite times of the week. That's right. I hope all of you have your podcasting times every week, meaning you find your 45 minutes during the week where you guys sit across from each other and chit chat, just like Elisa and I do every Sunday or Monday night. But it's pretty much a standing invitation for both of us to get behind the mics and to talk to each other and to talk to you too. And um, we, we sort of joke about this a lot to people, but if you're feeling like, well, we can't do that, you know what? Just go pick up some headphones, go pick up some mics and pretend you're podcasting and, and have fun with it. And one thing we will say too is really the enhancement we have gotten from being across from each other uh-huh. is so huge than sitting in our bed in shoulder to shoulder or on our couch shoulder to shoulder. There's a lot of dynamic that happens that's nonverbal that you get to see. I, I was just going to bring that up because we were actually talking. We've had a couple of conversations about this particular um, topic, the podcasting time mm-hmm. um, this week. And, and I hadn't really thought about how much, how different it is that we do sit across the table from each other um, until we started talking with one couple in particular. And, and I realized that I can't hide a lot from you when I'm sitting across the table from you. Right. When I'm sitting, you know, when you're sitting next to your spouse, I mean, think about it. You go out to dinner and, and what do you do when you go out to dinner? Most couples sit across the table from each other. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what you do, whether it's friends or, or spouses, or if you're out with friends, you're sitting across the table from each other because you want to see those visual cues. Right. So why is it that when we need to have a serious talk, we're like sitting side by side on the couch or we bring something up in bed and so you can't, see all the visual cues that are happening that are happening you know when when you're sitting side by side it's easy to look you know like you can be looking the other way and they can't necessarily tell that you're not looking at them mm-hmm. oh totally you now. know i mean the only thing that we have to hide behind here are the the computers but we need those for <laughs> but even still you guys hear when we're uh, not exactly paying attention because that's when i'm like are, are you gonna say something now right are you like we, i stopped we, talking we are you called good? out when we do that sort of so. stuff. Yeah. Great week. I hope you guys have had a great week. I want to share with you, uh, today we went to, to church and, you know, there, there was just some worship music going on and I got to say, uh, one of the songs just hit me. Yesterday we had uh, the memorial for my buddy Nick Venuto who lost his life when a car went out of control and he was killed while riding his bike home. And for those of you who would still like to participate with the fundraiser we're doing for Nick, Nick's uh, kids, Nicholas and Marissa, you can go to oneextraordinarymarriage.com slash Nick, and that will take you to Intentional Wives, and you can buy some handy-dandy cool stuff for your bedroom that you can use, and in the process, you're helping out Nick's kids. What? I, I'm just laughing because... 
I talked about the scratchers last week and then this week I'm like, oh, I'm going to use the scratchers again. And uh, the first one I pull up says, do not nag your husband for a week. And I'm like, oh, that's not really where I was going with take the lead. And so it was, it was a little bit like, oh, I thought they were all sexual, but they're not. So keep that in mind with the... Uh, with the scratchers, if you with do the scratchers. Them. Sometimes they're not sexual, but you know that they are great recommendations, you know, not to nag your husband for a week. Um, or for we, we, we just had Elisa scratch another one because we wanted it to be sexual, <laughs> which all. was just, it, it ended up being a massage. Yes. Yeah, yeah. just a straight up massage. Beautiful. Yeah. Very good time. Kids were, yeah. were away at uh, the sitter's. For a little Friday night, date night. Are you going to share with everybody what my gift to you was this week? Mm. The garage. Oh. <laughs> I know it was like on Tuesday, so of course you've forgotten by now. <laughs> I'm like, what am I supposed to... I didn't know if it was sexual or not. That's why I was just a little lost. Oh, sorry. okay. Sorry. Yes, I came home on Tuesday and the garage was spick and span. And now it's a mess again. No, it's not. Have you been out there? Yeah. It's not a mess. Oh. Just my section, but my section never got cleaned up. It oh, was okay. all the, like the floor and the washer dryer area. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Looks good. <laughs> Very anticlimactic there. I thought you were going to give it a little bit more because you gave such grief about the garage being a mess that I thought I was going to get a little more pat on the back for. <laughs> no, good job. Good job. I, I mean, just get rid of all the junk is, is, I, my, I'm working is, on what, it. is it, where I'm at with it, all you, that stuff. It takes time. Okay. So can I get back to the church thing? Today? Oh, yeah, sorry. Okay, so Mary James, who is a, a fantastic singer, and we've heard her for a number of years now here in San Diego, and maybe some of you know her as well. But uh, we are blessed to have her at church today, and she was closing out with a song. And anyways, Nick's uh, memorial is on my mind, obviously, uh, since the ride was yesterday. But as she was singing this song, and I can't remember the words to tell you the truth, um, I sat there crying. And a lot of my tears were for you guys, for those of you who are hurting. And I just, I just want you to know that we're here for you. We love you guys. If, if you're somewhere where you're just like, I don't know if anybody cares or if anybody knows, we do. And we may not know your name. We may not know what's happening in your marriage, but we love you. And I want you to know that. We say that a lot at the end. And um, it's sort of quick, but I, I just want you to know there, there are two people here that you're listening to that truly love you. And if you ever reach out to us or not, just know that. We, we, we really cherish marriage. And when this journey started for us behind the mics 81 episodes ago, it was much different than what it is today. The uh, For myself, just the... Um, the impact that we've had in so many lives. And sometimes I, I see it as just being <laughs> just so glorious and so wonderful. And other times when I see your emails, it's, it's hurtful and it, it's hard because I, I'm trying to grasp what's going on in, in your lives and, and trying to understand what's happening, even though we haven't been there ourselves sometimes. And because of that, I, I just want you guys to know that we we do love you and just know that you have somebody here that can, that will listen to you. You can always call us anonymously. You can always email us anonymously. It's totally cool. It doesn't, you don't have to be spouting off your name or your, who your spouse is or where you live or anything like that. Mm -hmm. You know, um, sometimes it's helpful that way. 
And with that, I want to read an email we got this week. And it was sort of a shock to get this email because I want to say this is one of the first ones we have gotten where we had contact with this gentleman August of last year. And this is what he wrote um, this week. Just wanted to give you an update and a thank you to you and Elisa. Now almost a year after I had this communication with you. And I love Gmail because it showed me the communication. And yeah, it was like August 15th of last year. Prompting this that we finally got over a hurdle yesterday. Let's say we had our first in a long time one day challenge or today is still going. Perhaps it's a two day challenge. Awesome. I feel like we've been steadily addressing all of our forms of intimacy and it has been making a huge difference. The financial side, while still not great, has been dealt with a lot. When I say not great, I dug quite a hole and we're not out yet. But the part that is good is that we are completely on the same page and what we are doing is working. We never did do the blow up. Oh, we never did do the blow up my marriage class. I had suggested Dr. Corey Allen's with simplemarriage.net. He has an amazing course called Blow Up My Marriage. You can check that out if you're in a place where you need somebody. And Dr. Corey Allen also does one-on-ones. Just let him know we sent you. But we seriously talked about it. Not then in August, but about three months later. But instead, went for some counseling here locally. Awesome. That, you know, we suggest that all the time, you guys. You know, if you can't get it, um, you know, if you, if you don't want to go online with it, get it locally if you feel comfortable. The last two areas of intimacy to really be addressed are recreational and sexual. And those have been coming along too, finally. So after getting over a three-year, nine-month layover, I sent my wife links to all of your stuff. She knew I'd listen to your podcast and I'd mentioned having her listen too, but given other priorities and other issues to be working through first, we just didn't go there. But now we are. Which brings me to my main point. Thank you guys so much. I have listened to every podcast of yours and have gained much for my own personal benefit and looking forward to sharing what I've learned from you with my wife. We've been to about as low as we can go and still, and still be together. Without God, we wouldn't be together. But God also brought me and then us to you. And that has been a valuable tool in this recovery. Thank you for your example. Thanks for putting so much into this. Thanks for letting us see your imperfections for being real. There are, so, there are some good resources out there, but some, just because of their total polish, don't come off as quite real. You guys are real. Thank you, dude. <laughs> Uh, thanks so much. In some ways we have healed a lot, but that healing is just taking us back to square one. Now we are going to start working on living. Just know that you have helped one more marriage. And while we are not extraordinary, yes, you are. Uh, yes, you are at least in a good sense. Yet we are heading that direction and you guys are at least one factor in that journey. Best of luck and just know you're making a difference. So, Thank you very much for that email. That's powerful. Um, you know, we know from your emails and communications that, you know, like Tony said, so many of you are in places that you don't necessarily want to be. And um, we are humbled and honored to have received this email um, because it is nice to hear a year later that 
somebody, this couple went out and sought help that, you know, they've been listening to the podcast. They found those little nuggets and we, we're not so naive to know that, or to think that every podcast is going to be the one that rocks your world. And you're gonna be like, wow, once again, um, you know, but we're glad that you listen. And, and, you know, those of you that have been with us since the beginning are pretty close to it. Uh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for spreading the word. Those of you that are just joining us and are like, okay, I don't know what these guys are talking about, but sounds good so far. You know, everything that was said in that email is, is who we are. I mean, you, those of you that listen, those of you who are just listening, you will hear the imperfections in this marriage. Um, probably somewhere in this podcast. I'll interrupt and he'll interrupt and we'll kind of get a little snippy because that's what happens sometimes. And Well, I, I missed the whole garage thing. You missed the whole garage thing. I, yeah, I should have so. put it in the show notes so you could read it. Um, <laughs> you know, but, but marriage is real and, and we don't want to be this polished couple because I'm not really sure who out there is a polished, have it all together, perfect couple that doesn't have some kind of pain going on somewhere in their marriage. And that's the reality. And so we just want to be who we are with you guys. And, you know, we we titled this podcast, I Want to Leave a Legacy. Right. And, you know, I, I mean, we share this with you guys often that, you know, something comes up during the week that prompts each week's topic. And in fact, we had a friend ask us today, you guys think you're ever going to run out of topics? I'm like, as long as we're still living, there's going to be topics that come up. Um, or or we're going to do different spins on topics. And uh, I want to leave a legacy, um, came out of a number of conversations and this email, um, that really made us stop and think, what is, what is the legacy towards marriage that we are leaving? What will be our marital legacy 20 years from now? 40 years from now, 100 years from now. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. we don't stop to think, you know, because we get so caught up in the day-to-day living or let's be honest, sometimes it's just surviving because there's so much life going on that, you know, we're not, we're barely thinking next week, let alone, you know, 20 years from now. But sometimes you need to take that step back and say, what is our legacy? What what are we what are we leaving for future generations? Yeah, we definitely are. We're gonna lead off with this beautiful song by Nicole Nordman. Don't mind if you got something nice to say about me.
powerful song. You know, I want to leave a legacy. How will they remember me? Did I choose to love? Did I point to you enough to make a mark on things? Farther on, it says, not well-traveled, not well-read, not well-to-do or well-bred. Just want to hear instead, well done, good and faithful one. Strong words. Um, Words that really have made us think this week. You know, we spend time all week talking about marriage, whether it's friends of ours that are going through rocky situations in their own lives, whether it's couples that are, you know, we think they're doing okay, and then all of a sudden something comes up, and we're like, whoa, where did that come from? Or, you know, emails that we get. And and we really started thinking this week, we actually sat down um, with a friend of mine who is a financial Advisor. advisor, and you even started thinking about from a financial standpoint, you know, what is our legacy to our children and to each other? And we've talked about this, um, you know, in some respects in the past in terms of, you know, having your affairs in order. Um, but when you, it's not something that can be overstated, the marriage legacy that you leave for generations to come. And, and I just want to, I want to pipe in real quick don't think of this as having to be a monetary legacy here. Uh, The conversation we did have with the financial advisor prompted that for me, but I really would like us to look at more of the Mm non-financial legacy we can be leaving. And that's, that's where I was going with this because, you know, for the most part, we do have our affairs in order in terms of, you know, guardianship for the kids and all of our legal documents and that kind of stuff. And we've talked to you guys pretty extensively about that in the past, but having that conversation with her prompted the conversation with the two of us to say, you know what, what, what is this legacy we're leaving for our kids? You know, when they see us pass each other in the hall or pass each other in the kitchen or, you know, this morning we ended up with both of them in our bed and, you know, fortunately we have a king size bed. Yeah. Um, which was prompted by the children because it gets really cozy in a queen size bed with two kids, one of whom is almost as big as you. So early on, we went to the king size bed as an aside. But, you know, what's the legacy? Is it mom and dad cuddle up and, you know, they see us be affectionate and they know that we have date night? Is it mom and dad have time for me? You know, our little one loves to dance with her daddy. Yeah, It, It ranks right up there as one of the all-time highs in her life. I mean, she comes in, and when she's ready to dance with Daddy, she really does not care that dinner's going to be on the table in 30 seconds. If she hears music, she's looking for her dad. Yeah. And that's something that will be hopefully left for her, something that she will be able to remember for the rest of her life. And she's going to look for a man who dances with her. I sure in the heck hope so. Because <laughs> if not, she's going to be... <laughs> She's going to be very disappointed. Not going to be a happy woman. <laughs> but, you know, and we've got we've got our son now who over the last couple of weeks has, with me, turned into this incredibly affectionate, like I'm getting random kisses now mm-hmm. all the time. Like he'll just come up and like kiss the middle of my back or grab my arm and kiss me on the arm. Or this morning when he got up and realized he was the only one not sleeping in our bed currently, you know, he comes over and he lays down on my on my stomach and I'm just, you know, rubbing his head and he's just... He's being affectionate, but 
you got to stop and think, where do kids see that? They see that because of what they see modeled in their parents. Mm-hmm. You know, and don't get me wrong. I scream at the kids. I have, I mean, Abby the oh, other day. we have our moments. Abby don't. the other day was in rare form where, you know, she was just completely helpless. And I, I literally let loose and said, stop being a victim. You know how to do these things by yourself. You can get up and do it. I want you to be a problem solver. Mm-hmm. And she just looked at me and she was, okay. And she went and did it. And so all weekend, it's, mom, I'm solving this problem. Perfect. You know, I let loose on my kids. I am not the perfect mom by any stretch of the imagination. But you know what I try and do every day is show them love. And part of doing that is showing their father love and having that relationship. So, yeah, they may not, you know, in a few years, they're probably going to be embarrassed that we like kiss in front of them and, you know, work out together and do all kinds of things together. But you know what? What do they think of marriage looks like? Right. And, and I want to touch on our book. The first chapter is called From the Top Down, the first key, From the Top Down. And it's one of those chapters that gets people really sort of freaked out because when we look at our marriage, what it looks like, you know, God is at the top of our marriage. He is there. He is the center of our marriage. After that comes the spouse your spouse after that comes your kids your work other activities hobbies and all that good stuff but let's talk about those first three real quick again it's god your spouse your kids and by looking at your life and your marriage in this order first of all they sense and they understand that god is at the center of their lives as well second when you put the emphasis, the attention on your spouse more so than you do on them. They get to see a healthy relationship that grows and is thriving. Is it always? No. Do we have our issues? Yes. But Alisa and I come next. And even at times when our kids are starting to drive us nuts or a typical situation that I think many of you face is that I will be inside older one will come in go hey dad can I do this and I say yes well lo and behold Elisa was outside he had asked her she said no and as a unit Elisa and I come together and typically it's the first parent rules you know so if Elisa said no it's a no go and I have to laugh because when Abby was in taking her bath today, he comes in and he's like, mom, can I have a lemon? And all he wants to do is like cut the lemon, take a look out of it and throw it away. And so I was like, no, you can't have a lemon. And so he kind of asks, I don't know, six times and I say no. And then finally he's like, well, can I go ask dad? And I said, kudos for asking me, but no, you still cannot. (laughs) I was going to say, because he didn't come asking me. No, no, no. He had asked me if he could ask you and I said no, but you know, that whole thing about putting God first, I have to share this with you guys because I had a jewelry party last night and I come home. The party was early and so I got home a little earlier than I usually do and I walk into the house and I hear Tony and Alex in the bedroom. Abby's asleep and I'm like, oh, it sounds like they're reading. And so I walk in, I'm like looking for the book. I'm like, what are you guys reading? Well, they had watched Prince of Egypt, the DreamWorks movie, earlier in the evening. And so Tony was reading to Alex 
the story out of the book of Exodus. Yes. And this is the first time, and I know it's not the first time that Tony has shared and read the Bible with Alex, but it was the first time that I had seen where it had tied into something that they had watched together and had really pulled it out. And so Alex's nighttime story was the book of Exodus. And it was really heartwarming to walk into the house and see them, you know, Alex has got this big grin because he's, you know, curled up under my side of the bed. And he's like, I'm, I'm sleeping in here, mom. I'm like, uh, no, you're not. But you can continue listening to Exodus in here. <laughs> and just to, just to have him know that this is what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, we open our Bibles. We pray. You know, we've got a five-year-old that, you know, prayer is just part of her vocabulary. Mm-hmm. You know, and she prays because she has seen us pray. And she knows, you know, her prayers can be anything from, uh, you know, God, thank you for burritos for dinner and that I got to play with my friends to I'm praying for such and such. And it runs the gamut all in between. You, you want to get a handle on your prayer life? Find a five-year-old little prayer warrior in your, in your circle and you'll get a really good glimpse on how to pray. Yeah. And, and, and the downside of our legacy and what we... The, the sort of the backlash that I'm seeing right now is this technological computer age we're in because a lot of the stuff that Elise and I do obviously is online. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, we communicate with you guys via Facebook or Twitter or email. Um, a lot of other folks that we talk to are on email or Skype um, th- there's other things that we're doing on the internet and I'm, and I've noticed this because I'm an early riser. I'm working out and typically once I'm done, I have my shakeology and I'm sitting out and I'm sitting on the computer because I'm just relaxing. Well, little ones are coming out and they see dad, you know, out there just chilling on the computer where years ago it was the newspaper. It was the newspaper, right? Um, a little less uh, enticing for kids. I mean, a newspaper for many of us growing up, I don't know if it, it was as enticing as what our kids have now in computers. Comics. Yeah, would read the comics page. The comics, sure. But you, you see that and you're going, okay, what am I teaching my children? Mm-hmm. You know, how are they going to take this as they grow up into teenagers and then to adults? Hard to say, but it's something I think about. I don't think it's hard to say at all. I think we see it even with our kids right now. I mean, our kids are pretty plugged in. And, and, you know, I mean, whether it's DVDs or, you know, Alex's Nintendo DS, I mean, we we see that they're probably as plugged in as we are. Mm -hmm. Um, And then is that, you know, parents years ago, I mean, they didn't have this, if you're born in the 70s you can probably remember just hopping around the back seat of the car wherever you wanted to go now now kids have to be strapped in and we just throw in a dvd to shut them up and you know you can roll your eyes at that but i myself and i know many other parents who do that we actually abby and i had our first trip probably since she was born without without it she had actually opted um last weekend yeah, I guess it was last weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, we were going to visit some friends and it was going to be a three-hour drive. And I asked her a couple times, do you want to take the DVD player? And she said no. And I said, all right. 
<laughs> probably be pulling my hair out somewhere along the way. And But she did good. She brought all her coloring stuff. She brought some coloring stuff, but you know what? She just napped. Mm. And that, I, you know, I was fine with that, but it was, it was very interesting because, and I will be very honest with you, it is a crutch that I rely on when we're taking long trips because our children are notorious for us pulling out of the driveway, turning on, you know, one street away from our house and having them ask us how much longer till we get there. Yeah, they are. And, you know, I know some of you are, you know, power road trippers with your kids and you don't have the DVD players. I know because I'm friends with you on Facebook and I know that you don't do this. And so hats off to you. Um, and yet for many, I know that you would not be caught dead without your DVD player in your car. In fact, if that breaks, that's, you know, that's cars going to the repair shop that day. Um, and it is, it's just, you know, those are the types of questions that you have to ask yourself. You know, when you find your kids mimicking your behaviors, both good and bad, that's mm-hmm. when you start to see what your legacy is going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when my five-year-old blows up and has a short fuse, I know that's my behavior. It slaps me in the face every time she short circuits because I know that she sees that model for me. And so that is a constant reminder that I am not working on that as much as I should be. That I, ha- you know, that, and it's a struggle for, I mean, I've shared this with you guys. It's been a few, uh, it's been a while since I've done this, but I just, I have a short fuse. And I see that modeled in my children. I think we've gotten better though over the years. There are definitely, there are definitely times when it does crescendo but overall, it, I think we are doing much better than we had years ago where it was, I would say, four years ago was probably the height of the anger issue we were, we were facing. Yeah, and, and for me, as, Three, the kids have, as the kids have gotten older, you know, being able to handle it. And, you know, there are times when I, like, and, and I know it's the Holy Spirit, but just have this calm... Uh, you know, the sense where I'm like, okay, I'm going to be really calm here. It's probably going to drive them crazy. And it usually does drive them crazy because they're like, what are you doing? You know, and I just, you know, I just handle it. And, and Alex, even the other day, he was goofing around and being disrespectful. And I just looked at him and I said, I need your DS. It, it's, it's my ultimate trump card in his life. And so we're driving home from where we had been and, and he gets really mad at me. He's like, mom always takes stuff away from me and i said yes because that's what speaks your language mm-hmm. you know you're not going to get privileges when you're misbehaving i am going to take privileges i'm going to take electronics i'm going to take stuff away from you but part of that is also a legacy of discipline you know our children have learned from an early age that they do not get everything that they want mm-hmm that life can sometimes be horribly unfair to them. And we don't shelter them from that. We don't shelter them from life's disappointments. We don't shelter them from knowing the truth about circumstances that are going on in people that they love. I mean, when my dad had cancer, it was, they were not the first people that I told. But after a few days of processing this, you know what I told my kids? You know what? Abuelo's got cancer. Abuelo is what they call him. It's Spanish for grandfather. And... You know, so we had the opportunity to pray and to talk about, you know, him going to the hospital and having surgery. So I didn't have to keep that from them. You know, same thing when Nick died. It took us a few days because Tony had to process that grief 
uh, the initial shock of it. But then we got to the point where we had to tell the kids. I mean, th- this is somebody that they know. They know, you know, Nick's family, the kids. They've played in their pool. And so you tell your children because you know what? Life is horribly unfair and bad things are going to happen to them. And if we don't ever tell them that bad things happen, they become adults who don't know how to handle it when bad things happen. And that is a frightening legacy because I see it. Mm-hmm. I see it in people who have never had to work for anything in their lives. I see it in people that have never heard the word no. And then all of a sudden, you know, they grow up and they're 20 somethings and somebody's telling them they can't have something and they honestly are not equipped to handle it. So teaching your children that bad things happen, teaching your children discipline, teaching your children what a family looks like, what, you know, letting them know that sometimes mom and dad have fights. Yeah. You know, our kids know sometimes we're not on the same page. Not so much when it comes to them, but there there are things that go on between the two of us that, you know, sometimes we can't fix it right away. And what they've learned from that is that mom and dad can have fights, work it out, and come out on the other side. Right. And, and you're showing them what a marriage goes through, what... The good and the bad. I mean, I'll tell you, growing up, I don't think I ever saw my parents, you know, talk much or, or you know, do what we do in our marriage in front of our children. Talk about money. Talk about death. Talk about life. Good and the bad. And that is something I will have to say I am glad we are sharing with ours at such a young age. And it can be taught and shared at any age, honestly. They, they need to see it and you'll, you'll definitely be leaving a legacy for those little ones mm-hmm. and older ones, you know, to, because as we've seen our friend who has been separated from his wife, I got to talk to his mom and the hurt that you just, that I hear in her voice, mm-hmm. you know, that he's having to go through this and you know, nothing that, and I'm not saying she didn't teach Mike properly or bring him up properly or, or show him. But I'm just saying that the hurt there happens. Well, I mean, as parents, regardless of how old your children are, you never want to see them hurt. Yeah. And, but you also want to equip them to be able to deal with that. And that's, that's definitely what I see with Mike is that, you know, he has been, he is equipped very much through his faith, but also through what he's been given by his family. Right. To be able to weather these storms and, you know, know that he's going to come through this. Right. And, you know, it's, yeah, I I keep thinking the word that keeps floating in my mind as we're having this conversation tonight is the whole helicopter parent thing. Like I keep, I Mm. keep, you know, hearing it and seeing it because I, I know people um, that fall into that and and I know that it becomes hard you know we want to protect our children there are so many bad things in the world today that we can't insulate our children from and yet too much inf- too much insulation um, really does them a disservice and we might not see it when they're young but we want them to be productive and we want them to be able to look at 
their future spouses and, and say, you know what, I'm equipped to weather any storm with you. You know, I know, like for me, um, you know, I saw my parents weather storms as I was growing up. I mean, I wasn't always privy to the conversations, but we rode some rough times as a family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God bless them. Both sets of parents celebrated, hold on a second, 72, so th- 39 years Yeah, this year. Holy cow. That was just an eye opener. 39 years of marriage. Um, in April and June of this year, Tony's parents in April and my parents in June. And, you know, I look at that going, okay, you know what? Talk about a legacy. Seeing your parents married for 39 years and knowing, you know, even though Tony's parents didn't talk about everything, they also weathered storms. Oh yeah. There's numerous stuff that I learned about after, after the fact, but you still, you can reflect on that and say, okay, you mm-hmm. know what? It wasn't always a bed of roses. And we've talked to we're blue in the face on this about the effort that it takes to make your marriage work. And the reality is that when you see those couples, and I talked about this last week, you know, the little couples that are holding hands, they've been married a gazillion years. And, you know, he looks at her, she looks at him, and you would think they were out on their first date. They're so stinking cute. Because they've they've learned how to, They've learned how to deal with that. And so now their legacy is just one of love. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, you know, she says it in the song. Did I choose to love? Because really when it boils down to that, boils down to the very you know core, if all of our choices are made out of love, true love, not I want to get something, so I'm going to love you, just, I love you for who you are. I, I'm doing this based on love. Then that legacy will be so far reaching and so positive for generations to come because your children are going to see that love is the basis for choice. Not, I want to get this. And granted, I mean, I, I have a five-year-old and an eight-year-old for that mm-hmm. matter. Um, you know, they're still at the, at the age where they see things and they want it. And okay, how am I going to get it? But, you know, we, we teach them, we expose them. You know, go volunteer with your kids. Go do something for somebody else. I mean, we're getting ready to do Sleepless in San Diego here the September. last weekend in September. And for those of you that are in San Diego, I definitely encourage you to join us. Um, you know, this is, this is an event that we've participated in for three years now. Mm-hmm. Um, where... San Diegans come and they support the San Diego rescue mission by sleeping out on cots and in cardboard boxes, bringing attention to the plight of the homeless in San Diego. And the reality is, is that this is one of the things that our children look forward to every year. In fact, when they moved it from May to September, I had two kids, one of whom was in tears because it was not going to be in the spring because they look forward to this so much because they know at their ages that it makes a difference for the homeless and they have a heart for the homeless. Well, where did they get that from? Right. They weren't born with it. They got it because they saw it modeled in who we choose to help as a family. Those of you that work in soup kitchens with your, you know, I know a lot of families do the soup kitchen thing at Thanksgiving. That's that same kind of modeling or you go and visit the elderly or you go help. You know, our church has got a number of be the answer projects 
where we go out into the community and help those that aren't able to. And for those of you, uh, I want to say this. I mean, Elisa's really hitting on the kids, but don't forget your legacy that you're leaving. You are impacting those around you. Younger couples who may have just gotten married a year or two. You are leaving and showing them what it means to go through this thing that we call marriage. Mm, Good point. You know, it doesn't always have to be our kids. And I know we've talked a lot about our kids because that's what we think about. But I look back now, 81 episodes as of this one, and nowhere near did I think there would be a legacy like the one we're leaving. Mm. You know, the day's going to come when one extraordinary marriage is no longer around. And I don't know when that day comes. It's not anytime soon, I'll tell you that. But it's not a legacy that I really thought about two years ago. So sometimes that legacy that might be in your mind, sometimes you got to just step out on faith and go for it and see what God's going to do. Because that legacy may be huge. And it may just impact so many people that you'll be blown away. You'll just truly be blown away what can happen. Well, and and you saying that also makes me think, you know, those of you that you've been married for a while and you're setting the example for couples like we've talked about um, over the last few weeks, couples that have been married for a long time and the kids, you know, they're empty nesters now and now they're trying to figure out what's next. You know, those of you that are working on your marriage regardless of what stage you're in, do set an example for the world at large. You know, we've become a society where it's so easy to get out of a marriage. Mm -hmm. When the going gets tough or when the grass looks greener, well, you know what? Let's, Let's find an attorney and take care of this. And yet sometimes they look at you and say, you know what? They're working on their marriage. They've had some hard times. They've made some mistakes. But they're still working on it. I wonder if we could. Mm-hmm. I, wonder, I wonder if we could be like them and make it work in spite of our problems. How powerful is that? You might not even know who's looking at you and your marriage and saying, we could do that. We could be like them. Yeah, I mean, you can. And if you guys have been listening to us long enough, you need to be real, you need to be transparent, you need to be honest. Show it, show the world. You know, this is what it is. It's not all good, it's not all bad, like many people want to make it out to be as well. But this is truth. This is life. And through the thick and thin of it, we're going to keep impacting marriages as a whole. All of us will continue to impact a marriage somewhere. And if each of us impact a marriage over the course of our lifetime, think of the legacy we leave. Mm. You know, think of that this week. Think of who could be impacted in the generations that follow that. So... Have yourselves a fantastic week. If you want to get the music or anything, come on over to oneextraordinarymarriage.com. We'll have links in all the show notes. And just have a fabulous week. If you need to get a hold of us, 
Ask Tony at oneextraordinarymarriage.com. Ask Elisa at oneextraordinarymarriage.com. And with that, we love you guys. Have a fantastic week. Thanks for listening to the One Extraordinary Marriage Podcast. We would love to hear from you. You can go ahead and give us a call at area code 858-876-5663 or send us an email to info at oneextraordinarymarriage.com. The website is oneextraordinarymarriage.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our Marriage Minute Monday newsletter and you can also purchase Tony and Elisa's new book, Stripped Down. It's available now in print, audio, and ebook formats. Also, the One Extraordinary Marriage podcast has sponsorship opportunities available now. If your business is interested in sponsoring this podcast, please contact us at oneextraordinarymarriage.com.